All right, I'm going to get started, um, and uh, it will catch up eventually with us. Well, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, before we get started and we dive into Genesis, I wanted to just remind you of a couple of announcements. Um, for the time being, there's not going to be any services being held at Emmanuel Baptist Church. That'll extend to at least April 7th, and um, it looks like that might extend uh, throughout the end of April. Uh, President Trump just this afternoon requested that um, the guidelines are followed at least until April 30th with the social distancing and all that type of stuff. But we'll continue to monitor the situation, and if anything changes, we'll let you know. Um, that means that most of the events that are in the bulletin are not um, events that are really going to happen. So just keep that in your mind and be aware of those as um, they're probably not going to be happening. So uh, before though we, we dive in, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and thank him for who he is and what he has done for us. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your your provision for us. We pray that as we uh, sit down and we look at Genesis chapter 26, that you would uh, use the truths that are in this passage to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to draw us into a closer relationship with you. We thank you for the fact that you are a faithful God and that uh, the patriarchs could trust you, could, could place their faith in you and look to you as uh, their hope and that we can also do the same thing, that we can live in obedience to your word as we go through um, difficult and uncertain times. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, the, Genesis chapter 26 is really about God's covenant faithfulness. And we've seen this as a theme that has popped up numerous times as we've gone through the book of Genesis. And it, it, in times like these, you know, the coronavirus and all that's going on with it, it's really easy for you and I to to begin to question whether or not God is faithful, to begin to wonder, is this how God intended life to be? Is, is this God really demonstrating his faithfulness to me? Uh, my life has been completely turned upside down. What I thought was normal, what I thought was routine, has been taken from me. I mean, even the, the routine aspect of being able to gather together and to worship as a a body of believers has been has been taken from us and it's it's easy for us to ask it's easy for us to quickly come to the assumption that um, that means that God is not faithful that God is not who he says he is as you and I encounter and um, some of us some of you have even had the the experience of losing your job recently it can be it can be a difficult trying situation and you you might begin to question, does God truly care for me? Does God know me? Is God being faithful to me? And as family members get sick, it's even more easy for us to look at the situation and to say, is God faithful? Is God true to who he says he is? Can I trust him? Should I continue to persevere in faithfulness and obedience to him? And I think as we look at Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 33, we will see that God has proven himself faithful time and time again to the family of the patriarchs. And what he desires from them and what he desires from you and I is 
that as we encounter his faithfulness and we see it talked about in scripture, that it would change how we live, that we would in response live in faithfulness, that we would in response live in obedience to his word, and that we would seek to forsake those times where we have lived in faithlessness. And so the big idea is God remains faithful in my faithfulness and in my faithlessness. God remains faithful in my faithfulness and in my faithlessness. If you would take your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 33. I'm going to read through the passage, and then we will talk about some of the, the details of the passage. Genesis 26, verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say she is my wife, because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac showed, sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water with which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours, so he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also, so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth. 
because, he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and he, we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuza, one of his friends, and Pichol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, What have you come to me? Why have you come to me, since you hated me, and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath, with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they had departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba, before the name of the city. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. As we look at this passage, it's interesting because it begins with describing God's faithfulness to Isaac in the midst of his faithfulness and in the midst of his faithlessness. As you begin to look at the passage, it's interesting because it begins on a really dark note. It's very similar to the, the situation we're in. I mean, there's differences. I mean, he's dealing with a famine. We're dealing with a pandemic. A pandi pandemic. But... There's, there's similarities, there's this hardship, there's this difficulties. People are going to die, people are suffering, people are having a hard time. And how is Isaac going to respond to this? How is Isaac going to approach this situation? There was a famine in the land besides the first famine, so it's not this first famine, famine that happened in Abraham's day. This is something different. And I, Isaac now goes to Abimelech. It's in the southern section of Israel, and he's in Gerar. And what happens? God comes to him. And God tells him to not go into Egypt, but to stay where he is. Live in the land of which I tell you. And it's interesting, as God talks to him, God makes numerous promises. God is saying, Isaac, I will be faithful to you. I will be good to you. I will do what is right to you. I will care for you. Live in obedience. Trust me. And so in verse 3, you see God begin to tell Isaac how he will care for him. And the Lord says, Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. God comes to Isaac and says, I will be faithful to you. I will fulfill what I have said. I will fulfill to you. I will do good to you. And it's interesting. The passage begins, and as it begins, Isaac is living in obedience. God tells him, 
dwell here, don't go down to Egypt. And he stays there, he lives there. And as he lives there, though, you see he demonstrates a lack of trust in God. Because he's not living there and trusting that God will care for him and for his wife. Instead, he thinks that he has to take on deceptive means by which he's going to preserve his own life and to preserve his own wife's life and to preserve the seed and the promise that God has given him. He is not living in faith. He is not living in trust to God. So the passage continues and the men come and ask her, him who his wife is and she is said to be his sister. And a number of time passes and as the time passes Abimelech the king of the area looks out a window and he sees Isaac and, and Rebekah being romantic and he's like you've lied to me why have you lied to me and Isaac is called in and he's brought in and he says I thought that somebody would not value my life that, that they might kill me and take away my wife and so you see that he's he's living in faithlessness yes he's he's obedient he's staying where God has told him to stay but there's not really a firm confident trust that God will do what God has said God has said I will do this, not because of anything that you do, Isaac, but because of who I am and because of who your father has been. I will do this. I'm going to be faithful to you just like I've been faithful to Abraham. Trust me. Live here. Live in peace. And this brings about problems for Isaac. And so Isaac stays there. In verse 12, and he sows and God blesses him. And God blesses him abundantly, even though he's lived in disobedience. He's lived in faithlessness. He hasn't obeyed God to the full extent as he should have. And yet, in verses 12 through 14, you see that God is going to bless Isaac marvelously, abundantly. Isaac sowed in that land. you got to remember the context. I mean, there's been some time. We don't know how long there's been between... Isaac coming into this city and maybe the famine has passed and Isaac's still remaining there we don't know but the whole story began with there's a famine and that means that Isaac is migrating to a different part of the country of, of, of the land and as he's in this land and as he's living in faithful uh, faithfulness and faithlessness before God God blesses him. God cares for him and allows his, his crops to multiply a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And he began to prosper. It's interesting. Verse 13 makes a, a big deal of this idea of prosper. It's like the writer of Genesis 26 verse 13 is like really trying to smack us a couple of times. To make sure we're really paying attention and we really get the picture. Uh, Isaac has prospered. Isaac has prospered. He, he says it three different times. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. You get the idea? God has blessed him. God has cared for him. God has been faithful even though Isaac was faithless. That is who our God is. Our God is a God who cares for us, who provides for us. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. 
And so their envy is then going to result in them being sent away. In verses 15 through 33, then, God continues to be faithful to Isaac. And he's faithful to Isaac in the midst of conflict and in the midst of peace. And you see the conflict at first. God's faithfulness does not leave Isaac's side in the midst of really some extreme conflict. I don't know about you, but I am um, I'm a lot better. I'm, I'm maturing. I'm growing in it. But I get frustrated. And when I get frustrated, my initial reaction is not to be calm, cool-headed, and you know, just, okay, that's fine. I'll move on. I'll go find another well after I dug this one. You guys can have this one. That's not my initial reaction. My initial reaction is, that's fighting words. Let's fight. And yet God continues to care for, to provide for, to be faithful to Isaac, even in the midst of all the conflict that he's going to go through. The Philistines come to him and they ask him to, uh, they, they're blocking up his wells and then Abimelech in verse 16 tells him to go away. Why? Because the Philistines are beginning to see that God has prospered Isaac. That God has been faithful to Isaac and that he is becoming great. He is becoming mighty. And if, if he continues to multiply, he continues to gain power and control as he is, that they could possibly lose their dominance in this area. And so the king, Abimelech, comes and tells Isaac in verse 16, Go away. Leave. We don't want you to be here. We want you to go someplace else. And then in verse 17, Isaac departs from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham he called them by the names that his father had called them and you see that in verses 19 and 21 you're going to see that he calls he, he digs two different wells and after he digs those two wells what happens the Philistines come and they fill in those wells the first one's in verse 20 now the herdsmen of Gerar, Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. And God is faithful. God continues to provide for him. God's provided this well for him. Conflict comes up. But Isaac chooses to trust God. He doesn't take the situation into his own hands. In verse 21, you see the same thing happen again. And Isaac once again chooses to trust God, to believe God, that God will be faithful, that God will continue to provide, that God will continue to care for him in the midst of the situation. And so they dug another well, and they quarreled again over that one. So he called its name Sitna. And so he moves again, and as he moves again, he digs another well, and this well is named Rehoboth because he said, For now... The Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. It's almost as if Isaac is working through this whole narrative. And as Isaac works through this whole narrative, this lesson that God is a faithful God, that God is a God who can be trusted in, in difficult trying circumstances, circumstances where you and I our initial reaction to the situation is not to be like, oh, this is all great, this is all happy, this is all wonderful, I'll just continue to trust God. No, these are the type of situations that when I go through and when you go through, we seek to take matters into our own hand. 
And as we work through this passage, Isaac is learning a lesson, and his responses seem to demonstrate that he is learning, that he is growing, that he is maturing. The concept that God is faithful, that God will provide, that God will care, is becoming real to Isaac, and he's living it out. He's trusting God more fully. He's living in obedience. And his actions, his, his naming of things, actually demonstrates that he is willing to worship God, that he wants to come into communion with God. And so the naming of this well, Rehoboth, why did he do that? He says, because now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. He's worshiping God. He's appreciating, thanking God for how God has cared for him, for God's faithfulness. From there, they though they move on from the valley of Gerar, and they move to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him there. It's interesting, this is the second time in the passage where God, the Lord, appears to Isaac. And as you compare the two things that God comes and tells Isaac, they're very similar in many ways. I am the Lord, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servant dug a well. Once again, you see that his response is to worship God. He's, he's reminded once again, God comes to him and tells him, I can be trusted. I am faithful. I will care for you. I will provide for you. Isaac's faith is maturing as we work through this passage. Isaac's understanding of who God is and his response to who God is grows. It matures. And the question for you and for me is, as we go through these really weird times, these really difficult times, as you encounter the truth that God is faithful, that God will continue to care, that God will continue to provide, is your response to the situations that God sovereignly brings into your life, are they going to demonstrate that your faith is maturing you are living in faithfulness instead of faithlessness that is the question that I think the passage wants us each to ask that wants us each to examine in our own life and to ask ourselves am I living in faithfulness to God as I go through the the difficult days ahead am I demonstrating greater faithfulness to God Am I demonstrating greater worship of who my God is? That is the response that Isaac has. He encounters God, he builds an altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. He worships God. Why? Because God is faithful. God can be trusted. And so how he responds is different. In verse 26, though, it's interesting. In verses 15 through 25, there's this conflict going on, and and Isaac chooses to trust God in the midst of the conflict. And then in verse 26, what is being offered actually is, Isaac, we the Philistines realize that you are truly powerful, that God has truly blessed you. 
and we're actually concerned about you taking over. And so will you enter into a treaty with us that you're not going to attack us? They're giving him a legal right to the land. There is the opportunity now for him to enjoy the land, to, to have peace where he's had all this conflict. Once again, it's a demonstration that God is faithful, that God will fulfill, will accomplish what he said he will accomplish. God has promised he's going to be with him, that he will bless him, that he will multiply his descendants, and that he's going to do this in the land that he's given him. In verse uh, 3, you see, dwell in this, this land. I will bless you. With, I, I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. It's a demonstration. It's a reminder that God is still working out his plan. Has it come to full fruition? No. Will it come to full fruition in Isaac's day? No. But Isaac chooses to look at the promises that God has given him, and he chooses to continue to live in faithfulness, to continue to trust God, that God is who he says he is, and that Isaac is going to change how he lives. He's going to live in faithfulness. Abimelech comes with his friend Ahuzah, and he comes with Pichol, the commander of his army, and Isaac is shocked at their appearance. And he says, why do you come to me since you hate me and you sent me away from you? And what's their response? We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us. And let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. The community around Isaac sees that God has blessed him, that God has enlarged him. It's a demonstration that God is fulfilling his promise. God is faithful in Isaac's life. And as we work through this passage, Isaac responds in greater faithfulness. He chooses to live in trust, in obedience to who God is. And once again, the question is, how are you and I responding to a God who is faithful, to a God who can be trusted? Are you responding by living in faithfulness to God's word? Or are you responding by living in faithlessness to God's word? The passage continues. So he made them a feast, and they ate, and they drank, and they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day, the well of the seven, or the seventh well. He has been looking for a well. He has been looking for an opportunity to establish himself in part of the land that God has promised he will give him. And here his servants come at this point, and they come and they tell him, Look, we found a new well. And this is the same well name that his dad used earlier in the book of Genesis. And it's just demonstrating 
He has established himself in the land. God will continue to prove himself faithful. And the question is, how will you and I respond to God's faithfulness? God remains faithful whether or not you and I remain faithful. In your faithfulness, in my faithfulness, in your faithlessness, in my faithlessness, God remains faithful. But your response and my response to a faithful God should be to live to is to, to live in faithfulness, to pursue Christ's likeness. And so as we think about what does this passage mean for your life, what does this passage mean for my life? I think we need to take note of the fact that God remains faithful. Even in the midst of all this craziness, even in the midst of all the unknown. I mean, just illustrating the fact that it is completely unknown. When President Trump was asked earlier, a couple weeks ago, how long is this going to last? He said, I don't know, maybe July or August. Could it last that long? Maybe. None of us know. There is so much unknown. How long will you remain unemployed? None of us know. Will you get sick? None of us know. If you get sick, how bad will it be? None of us know. But even if you don't ever get your job back because everybody decides that they want to work from home and they close down different areas of the economy because you know people decide that they love working at home and they don't want to go back to their workplaces. And that means that you don't get your job back. Even in those circumstances, God remains faithful. Even if you get sick or a loved one gets sick and unfortunately were to die, God remains faithful. And the question is, how will you respond to God's faithfulness? Let me encourage you, take some time today and meditate on God's faithfulness. Read through this passage again. And as you read through it, take note of the aspects that point to who God is. The God is a faithful God. And as you meditate on those, thank God, worship God, because he is a faithful God who cares for you, who provides for you, just as he cared for and provided for Isaac. And then finally... The question is, how will you and I respond to a faithful God? As we begin this narrative in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1, there's a horrible situation going on. There's a famine. And God comes and tells Isaac, I'm going to be faithful to you. Dwell here and live in obedience. And while Isaac does dwell there, he lives where he's told to live. You see that he doesn't fully trust God because he's seeking deceptive means by which he will live and he will preserve his life and preserve his wife's life and preserve his line. But as we end this narrative, it does appear as if the truth that God is a faithful God, that God can be trusted, that God can be followed in obedience has sunk into Isaac's understanding of who God is. And Isaac chooses to live differently. He chooses to live in faithfulness to God. 
And so the question is, how are you going to respond to that truth? God is faithful. We see it in the passage that God is faithful. As you sit down and you meditate on this passage, as you sit down and you meditate on your own life, there are numerous illustrations of how God has been faithful to you. And the question is, in this crisis, how will you respond? Will you choose to live in obedience? Will you choose to turn to God's word and to seek to understand it, to grow in it, to live in faithfulness to it, to a greater extent tomorrow than you did last week? Or will you turn to your own means to seek to grow and to mature and accomplish whatever you have to accomplish? God is faithful. You and I can trust him today. We can trust him tomorrow. And we can trust him next month. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for the fact that Isaac learned the lesson that he was willing to live in obedience as a response to the fact that you are a faithful God. We pray that these reminders would be a source of encouragement as we we continue to live in very uncertain times where uh, many have lost their jobs and many more could potentially lose their jobs in the coming weeks and months. We also realize that uh, many health difficulties could be ahead of us, not only as a church body, but also as a city and as a state. We pray that you would help us to continue to turn our eyes to you, to continue to live in faithfulness to you. Because we know that you are a faithful God and that you can be trusted in these times. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll have a Zoom prayer meeting this coming Wednesday night. Once again, if you've been struggling with um, figuring out how to get all that set up, I would love to be of assistance and help you. Um, it provides us a lot better opportunity to engage on a more personal level than Facebook Live. Thank you. Bye.